There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Off-season episode number 12 of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our good friends at MyBookie. It's the week, man. The Hall of Fame game is on Thursday, August the 1st. And before you know it, our beloved are going to kick off a week from uh, th- a week from then on August the 8th against the Panthers at home. We're going to get that ball rolling. And that means it's time to make an account at the best online sports book known to man. That's right. I'm talking about my bookie with an easy, no hassle mobile site, 24 seven customer service and bets on every sport and prop imaginable. My bookie provides a fun, safe betting experience. And if you deposit today, MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus. That's right. You put in 100, they'll give you 50. You put in 1,000, they'll give you 500, and it's just that easy. So go to MyBookie.ag today and sign up with promo code BEARS100. That's right, BEARS100. At MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Offseason episode number 12 is also brought to you by SeatGeek. Let SeatGeek take the confusion out of your ticket-buying experience. Instead of shopping dozens of sites to find the best deal, let SeatGeek do all the heavy lifting for you. Their app scans the web for the best deals for your favorite game, concert, or show and rates them on a scale from 0 to 10 to let you know if you're getting the best bang for your buck. A green dot means great deals, a yellow dot good deals, red dot not so good deals. Use promo code ACAA at checkout to receive $20 off your first purchase so what are you waiting for that's promo code acaa 20 dollars off your first purchase at seat geek life's an event we have the tickets my guest today the uh, lovely and talented uh carolina teague from ticket 760 am in san antonio uh, among others will list her credentials there at the uh at the beginning and truth be told, I, I didn't know what to expect uh, from this uh, conversation. Like I said, she she hit me up a few weeks ago, said she'd love to be on the show. She's a Bears fan. She wants to come on and talk Bears. So I'm like, why not? Let's do it. Absolutely. So we got her on the show. We had a great time uh, talking. Hope to have her on again uh, as many times as she'll uh, tolerate me and, and my questions. So without further ado, off-season episode number 12, the second to last off-season episode of the 2019 campaign we got one more with brett coleman next week and then we get to uh, then we get to the football games we get to review preseason games then the real deal shows up oh i can't wait it's getting so close training camp is underway oh all right well let's talk about it the carolina teague episode of the bears talk underground is coming up right now so let's get to it It's the most wonderful time of the year. What's going on, everybody? Larity back off season episode number 12. 
It's the uh, the first one since preseason got underway. Uh, the, the when the Emory Moorhead episode came out, only rookies had reported. We were still waiting on the vets. We hadn't had our first official practice yet. Well, we're about four days into camp uh, now. They the Bears got in on uh, on f- the first practice on Friday. Uh, a lot of activity on Twitter. Guys making their entrances. Uh, Tariq Cohen uh, <laughs> coming in on a uh, a slingshot, which is basically a street legal go kart, is what those things are. Here he comes in. He's doing donuts in the turnaround at uh, at Bourbonnais, the Olivet Nazarene uh, University, uh, and such. Steps out of the car on on Walter Payton's birthday, wearing a Walter Payton's jersey. You know, just go to my Twitter and see the video. I retweeted. It was awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, f- Saturday they had their first uh, practice. Sunday was the first one. I think Sunday was the first one open to the public, I think. No, I think Saturday was open to the public. Sunday was the first one in pads. That's for, for sure. So they were able to get after it and start hitting. Uh, today they had practice this morning on Monday. I'm recording this on Monday night. Uh, they had practice this morning and um, practice through the rain. Football is an all-weather sport. Unless you see lightning bolts, you're out there on the field uh, getting it done. I think the defense had the advantage today uh, in the rain, but uh, for the most part, it's uh, it's been promising from everything that I'm hearing from the various uh, fans and, and writers and bloggers and things like that that I follow uh, on Twitter. The Bears are looking sharp out there. The defense is still a murderer's row uh, of talent uh, on that side of the uh, football um, uh, Chase Daniel had a really great quote about Mitch Trubisky. Uh, he said last year he was learning the offense. This year he's running uh, the offense, and I think a lot of people are seeing uh, those differences. Uh, some people are kind of harping on the mistakes, like Mitch has thrown some interceptions. Guys, you got to remember, he's going against the best defense in the NFL right now. He's trying to throw deep with Eddie Jackson playing center field. It's not always going to work out, so... Regardless of how open the guy was, Eddie Jackson is Eddie Jackson for a reason. He's going to close in on those balls and make those picks. That's what he does to the best uh, in the league. So he's going to do it to Mitch in practice. Mitch ain't there yet. He's getting there from everything that we're hearing, but he's not there yet. (laughs) He's going up against the best. He's got Khalil Mack coming after him, Akeem Hicks coming after him, Eddie Goldman, Eddie, uh, excuse me, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith breathing down his neck. And uh, he's getting it downfield. I mean, I've still been hearing great things. Uh, Riley Ridley, I think, is, has been hampered with a hamstring. I think uh, Adam Shaheen is going to be this year's Aaron Lynch. I promise not to give him a bad nickname like the one that I gave Aaron Lynch last year. I shared that with Carolina in this episode, actually. I tell her uh, what I thought about Aaron Lynch last year. But we'll see. Uh, I ended up eating those words happily, happily eating those words. And I think I tweeted earlier today that um, – Maybe Adam Shaheen will be this year's Aaron Lynch, where we're all pissed off that he's not in practice. He's not in the preseason. He's nursing a, a lower back injury right now. It's like, Jesus, dude, put some heat on it and get out there and practice. You know, this is a big year uh, for Adam Shaheen. And then watch him show up week one and score three touchdowns against Green Bay or something like that. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be something? Because the Aaron, uh, you know, Aaron Lynch basically just showed up off the street uh, week one had just about as much practice time as Khalil Mack had going into week one against the uh, Packers, and uh, he started in that game. And, you know, I really enjoyed Aaron Lynch being on the team uh, last year. I thought he did a hell of a job, so I'm glad that he's back. And uh, hopefully uh, Adam Shaheen will be this year's uh, Aaron Lynch, where he will 
kind of be a ghost during the preseason, then show up week one and play solid for us because we we could definitely uh, use the alternative uh, to Trey Burton and such. So, uh, but otherwise, everything's been looking good in practice, or so that I hear uh, so far. I'm anxious to see our beloved take the field next Thursday, although I doubt we'll see much of anything that we really want to see in the preseason. If last year's preseason was any indication as to how Nagy is going to handle it, I mean, hell, he might even be more cautious this year than he was last year. He knows. Guys know the offense now. So only guys like trying to make the team or learning the offense like David Montgomery and, and Riley Ridley, hopefully the hamstring's not a big deal and he can get back out there ASAP. Uh, I hear Javon Wims has been blowing it up. Uh, in practice uh, so far, hearing a lot of great things about the team. And most importantly, the kickers are coming with it, fellas. The kickers are coming with it. Both of them have nailed 60 yarders in practice so far. I forget which. I think Elliot Fry, they're, they're, they're swapping days with the kickers. And Elliot Fry had day one. He missed one kick. I forget what the distance was. But he nailed a 60-yarder to end practice. And then Eddie Pinheiro comes in on the next day, and he missed one. He, like, hit the first six, missed one from 53, and then went a few yards better than Fry and hit from 63 to uh, close out practice the other day. And I think uh, – I don't know if it was if it was Pinheiro again today or Fry, but the kickers have missed, like, one kick out of seven or eight. That's the kind of stuff you want to hear. You know, that's what you want to hear. You got all the Bear fans out there watching. Uh, they had raining conditions, and I think they said he only missed, whoever the kicker was today, only missed one kick today. So, you know, seven out of eight, six out of seven, whatever it was, that's what you want to hear as, as opposed to what we were hearing in, like, OTAs and, and minicamp where we're hitting three out of seven or two out of six or something like that. I don't know what it was, the, the peer pressure of their teammates staring them down or if that, uh, that super quiet thing that they were doing, the golf thing, I forget what they called it, but, uh, you know, the, the golf silence that they were doing for the kickers, I guess, is really messing with their brain. But they're back in kind of more of a game element with a crowd around them cheering and, and things like that. Uh, so maybe that's how they're stepping it up. Or it's real now. We're in training camp. Now's the time to do it. And it sounds like the guys are uh, are stepping it up so far. So fingers crossed that that continues uh, to be the case. One other thing I want to share with you guys before I let you go. Uh, the NFL is uh, night by night uh, releasing their top 100 players of uh, 2019 uh, going into the season where all the players vote amongst their peers who they think the best player uh, in the league is. Uh, tonight was 30 to 21. So we have, um, what does that make? 70 players? Or is it 80? We got 20 left. 80 players uh, so far. The Bears have three? Eddie Jackson was tonight. He came in at number 30. Akeem Hicks was number 39. So he was on yesterday's episode. Kyle Fuller kind of kicked things off. I think I even mentioned that to Carolina when I was talking to her. Uh, number 95 was Kyle Fuller. Uh, so he was on the 90, 100 to 91 episode to kick it off. So still no Khalil Mack, still no Tariq Cohen. And I'm trying to think if we're missing anybody else that would uh, be an obvious choice to be on the list. So Eddie Jackson, Akeem Hicks, 30 and 39. 
that's low. 95 for Kyle Fuller, I would say that's criminally low. He should be somewhere in the 60s or 70s, uh, quite frankly. So if Fuller's not in there, Amukamura is not in there. That's for sure. Um, no Roquan in there, not yet. Anyway, so we got a little work to do to get those boys in there where they deserve. Uh, I think Tariq Cohen should make it. I don't know if if he's going to be cons- – you know what? It's ridiculous that he hasn't shown up yet because we're into the top 20 now. Do the, do the rest of the players think that Tariq Cohen is a top 20 player? I guess we're going to find out because the only, I think, quote-unquote obvious choice that's left right now is Khalil Mack. And I would wager – at worst, top 10, he should be in the top five, maybe even the top three uh, with the way that he played uh, last year. Switching teams, basically coming off the street cold and being a monster that helped propel a good defense into greatness and being the best in the league uh, last year. So I expect to see at least two more, all of our all pros and Kyle Fuller, essentially. Akeem Hicks, uh, Eddie Goldman, not Eddie Goldman, um, Eddie Jackson, Kyle, um, Tariq Cohen, and uh, Khalil Mack. So that'll give us five in the top 100, which is uh, not enough. Definitely not enough. So we'll see. Maybe the uh, maybe the peers have some surprises uh, for us. But, um, you know, it's like I just because they've been rating the players so low. It, it I'm I'm af- I'm afraid Khalil or excuse me, I keep saying Khalil um, Tariq Cohen isn't going to make the list. I have this weird feeling he isn't going to make the list somehow because I thought, you know, if he's rated ahead of Eddie Jackson, he would be rated almost 20 spots ahead uh, of Akeem Hicks. I love Tariq Cohen, but everybody with the Bears always gets lowballed. There's always the Bears always get lowballed on these things. And Tariq Cohen hasn't popped up yet. And we've only got 20 players left. So. Maybe they have mad love for Tariq Cohen uh, in, um, amongst the league, and he's going to be somewhere in that uh, in that twenty to teens uh, area. I fully anticipate seeing Khalil Mack in the top five or so in the uh, in the in the ten to one uh, episode. So we'll uh, we'll see how that uh, see how that all unfolds. So anyway, uh, before we get to our new friend uh, Carolina Teague. One more thing, we got Brett Coleman next Tuesday on August the 6th. I uh, had Brett on uh, this week to talk about the, uh, the YouTube videos that he's been putting on. Search Brett Coleman, search the film room on YouTube. Those things will uh, come up. He did the Mitch Trubisky episode that Adam Rank and I talked about uh, on the episode. I've mentioned it a few times. You guys also heard me mention the video where he is uh, – basically campaigning for Eddie Jackson to be the defensive player of the year last year. He did an awesome video breaking down how the Bears defense dismantled Jared Jared Goff and the, uh, uh, I wanted to say St. Louis. I'm just off. It's been a long day. The L.A. Rams, uh, week 14 on Sunday Night Football, that huge game that the Bears dominated. And uh, last spring he did a, before he was a Bear, before the draft, he did a video on Roquan Smith profiling him and why he should be a top talent in the draft. Um, so four Bear-related videos, go ahead and uh, check them out. Remember, that was your homework assignment before listening to that episode, so you have until next Tuesday on the 6th to get ready uh, with that. So anyway, let's go ahead and get to the interview with our friend Carolina Teague from the ticket, 760 a.m. in San Antonio to talk Bears and whatever else pops into our head. 
Part number three of our interview. Actually, this is part number four. What am I doing? Part number four of our little interview series between our opponent previews and the start of the preseason brings a, a brand new guest to us, uh, a new friend. It's uh, Carolina Teague uh, from, here I wrote this down, uh, on air, an on-air personality from the ticket 760 AM in San Antonio, correct? Correct. Thank you. And formerly of ESPN San Antonio, current writer for Sports Told by a Girl. Carolina, welcome to the Bears Talk Underground. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so how does uh, how does a Bear fan find themselves in San Antonio, Texas? So, um, Larry, let me tell you all about how I became a Bears fan in San Antonio, Texas. So I was born in Chicago. Um, I lived there for several years um, during the 90s. I was a huge Bulls fan. Um, of course. Loved sports, was obsessed with watching sports all the time. Um, and then I, we moved to San Antonio, Texas. And my love for the Bears actually started during the when the Bears went to the Super Bowl and they lost. Wow. And so when Devin Hester did his um, his return that made the touchdown, that's when I fell in love with Devin Hester right. and fell in love with the Chicago Bears team. I was really upset. Um, that they lost, yeah. Um, but that's where the ball started to roll. So I kind of came in as a Bears fan when every went, everything was kind of in, inclining, but then it went down the tank for a while. Sure. And, and so now it, it's really exciting to see what's happening right now. So oh. that's, I've, I've been through the tough years with the Bears. <laughs> well, you, 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 hung, you hung in there, and that's, uh, that's admirable. And what's funny is that, uh, you know, I've been a fan my whole life. I can't remember a day in my life that I wasn't. What's funny for me is that I started the podcast in 2007, the year after they went to the Super Bowl. So I did the, started the show in 2007 thinking, well, obviously they're going back because they have the whole team. They're still awesome and blah, blah, blah. It was four seasons before we made it to the playoffs again in 2010 and then another eight before we finally made it back last year. So I have been through the lean years as well trying to get people to listen to this show when we were 3-13 and 13 in 2016, <laughs> when we were 5-11 and 11 under John Fox, and I wanted to shoot myself watching us try to play offense each and every week. So I'm definitely on board with you sticking with the Bears through the leanest of years that we've been through and, and happy that it's all come back around and we look like contenders again. Exactly. You know what really bothers me about the fact that I am a Bears fan? That now that we are doing good, I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of people in the NFC North, uh, like Packers fans, Lions fans, and Vikings fans, they tend to call us bandwagoners. Oh, and to me, we are the furthest thing from bandwagoners. Yeah. If anything, Chicago Bears fans are the most loyal fan base. We have been through so much. And <laughs> the only difference between then and now is that they finally notice us right. because we have something to say now. So that's the difference between then and now. So people are starting to notice what we bring to the table and everything that we've been through. And I think to call us bandwagoners to me is just insane. So I think anybody who's a Chicago Bears fan is loyal. And I think if you want a good woman in life and you want a loyal woman, what better way than to look for a Chicago Bears fan because we're the definition of showing loyalty. Amen. Amen to that. And you know what? You're exactly right. 
about that, and it's it's something that's been kind of crazy to to bear witness to. Um, you know, no pun intended, but it just you know thinking that <laughs> that well, basically we've been irrelevant in our own division before we won the division last year. We were in last place every year for four years. So I mean, mm-hmm. we we haven't been a factor even in our own division in such a long time. It's it's crazy that they feel that way. Because we've been here the whole time. Go to any any road game that the Bears are. There's a pretty good chance we're there that every now and then we might now we might outnumber the home crowd in the teams that we right. play. Bear fans travel like crazy, and the, out of the fact that they say that most of us are bandwagoners, I don't get it. We're definitely more vocal now than we probably have been in the past, but there's still as many of us as there were before this whole thing started. I also find it ridiculous because we have been, like you said, anytime you go on a road game and you see, like I've gone to Bears versus Cowboys games, anytime you go to see a Bears fan on on the road um, or even looking at studies, they, they've they shown time and time again that the Chicago Bears have the sixth ranking, highest, um, highest uh, what is it, sixth ranking, sixth best um Ticket sales, six best in, in sales of merch. Road They're one of the highest like ranking fan bases in attendance every every single year. So I mean, the numbers just keep getting better. They're recently ranked as eighth, but out of thirty two teams, that's still really really good. So I think to call us bandwagoners is pretty ridiculous. They need to do their homework. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So you 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 came along with the team in in '06. You were a fan before then. You said. Um, I was a fan, uh, so I became a true fan, I would say, when Devin Hester did his uh, return during the Super Bowl against the Colts, and then we lost against Rex Grossman. Or not lost against Rex Grossman. No, that's that's not too inaccurate. That's what happened. We (laughs) lost to him. It it was his fault we lost that game, so that's, that's not completely incorrect. Yeah, so, I mean, it started to roll from there, and then I, I think... When I started becoming extremely um, involved with the team was during was right before the Mark Trestman years um, when they were doing the rebuild and things like that. So mm. I have been through the rinker. I've cried uh, during games. Um, the saddest moment for me personally was when uh, we lost to the the Green Bay Packers to make it into the playoffs when Chris Conti blew the coverage on oh. fourth and eighth Chris against Randall. Yeah. And Randall Cobb uh, scored the touchdown. I think that is what uh, really hurt my soul. And that's when I became extremely emotionally invested, I would say. Because yeah, that was really hard for me to go through that. Yeah. Several <laughs> times on this show, I have prayed for Chris Conti's death, even after he left the Bears. Um, <laughs> you know, I, oh, God. I, I had a um, we, a couple of times we played the Buccaneers, so I had a couple of guys from the from a Buccaneers podcast on the show, and they are feeling our pain because Chris Conti has been mm-hmm. with the Buccaneers since he left Chicago. He followed Lovey uh, down there when he was the coach for a couple of years, but you know, so they are they are feeling our pain. I don't think he's on the team anymore, so that might be over with. But they were feeling our pain, like yeah, we get it. Chris Conti is terrible. Yeah, don't know how he keeps floating around in the league, but there he is. Yeah, they have clips of him getting slapped around all over YouTube. But but my thing is what that taught me, um, you know, having somebody like Chris Conti on the team, what that taught me was the importance of a safety. (laughs) 
That is what that the lesson was. So the fact that we have Eddie Jackson right now, yep. I love Eddie Jackson, and I don't take Eddie Jackson for granted because I know what it's like for everybody to be lined up and ready to go, and then you have a safety like Chris Connie blowing coverage and then ruining your entire season. So for me, that just showed me the importance of a safe like of a safety. I might still be. I mean, every person on the team is vital per se, but right. I'm a little bit jaded by that incident, and that's why I can appreciate somebody on the team now like Eddie Jackson yeah and you're not alone on that one I was actually watching a YouTube video the other day just a random video I stumbled upon of like fantastic finishes or miracle comebacks or whatever and it was like a 10 minute video of all these really great finishes (laughs) in the NFL Uh, that one where the Ravens came from behind at the last second in the playoffs to beat the Broncos in 2012 and you know a handful of other incidents and and the very last one the very last one was Rodgers heaving it down the field because he was he had Julius Peppers on his back to a wide-open Randall Cobb because Chris Conti was covering no one, no one. He was covering no <laughs> one. Just let him blow right past him because he was the one person uh. on the field who didn't get Lance Briggs' uh, audible to a different play. <laughs> and there he goes. Uh. And it, it just makes me sick to my stomach. Oh, it damn makes you, me Chris Conti. Yeah, I, I watched – plays over and over or I watched that play over and over again like I obsessed over that and I remember like all the analysts are like everybody's where they're supposed to be except for Chris Connie and look yep. what happens and I'm like oh my god that was just the worst time ever but yeah that's when I became yeah. that's the first time I cried during that's the first time I actually cried so yeah it was like fourth and a point. it was like fourth and a hundred on that play Rodgers is getting, you know, <laughs> and like he's wearing Julius Peppers on the back of his jersey, and he just heaves it, heaves it up there, and Randall Cobb's wide open, just running down the field untouched, and like, good oh, couldn't have made yeah, that so look any easier, through, and it just, it, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. So we've been through some things. We have we've been through some things. We absolutely have. <laughs> so, so, but how did you get into the uh, into the industry? I mean, you said you were you were sports obsessed. Uh, growing, were you an only child? No, I not. have okay. a little sister. No, I have a little sister and a little brother. But I think what made me sports obsessed was the fact that I lived in Chicago during the '90s era uh, right. for the Chicago Bulls, and you know, Michael yeah. Jordan was the the god of. I mean, he was the basketball god, and every child looked up to him. And then Space Jam came out, so I was really obsessed at that point. And um, what had actually got me into the industry is life kind of happened for me, and I kind of got uh, sidetracked with life, but. Um, I always watch sports, um, yeah. and I always I always looked out for my team. Uh, I always, you know, kept up with them every now and then. And then, uh, but I was I noticed that when I was on, um, I would be on Facebook. I'd always post about the Bears, and every every guy would try to argue with me. And I noticed that they didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah. I did. So, so. <laughs> I know it sounds bad, but but I was just I just remember being. I mean, some people obviously, some men obviously did have great insight, but I did notice that just because you were a man, that that doesn't mean that you were football intellect. Football intellect. So right. there was a competition uh, in San Antonio for ESPN, and it, the winner um, of the competition got a spot uh, to be a radio personality. So it was like a huge, you know, prize. You get to be on air and build your brand, and it was just like an exciting competition. 
So I was really nervous. I didn't want to try out. I finally tried out. Um, I beat over 150 men. So mm. it was a really, it was, I was surprised. I did not think I was going to win, but I noticed, you know, doing the competition um, that it really boils down to your personality. I mean, there's so many things that go into it, but once I won the competition, um, I was on the air and I kind of got my reps in and I loved it. I fell in love with it. I still am in love with it. I'm more obsessed now than ever um, with keeping up with uh, the current trends, everything sports related, but I never, I mean, San Antonio is really Cowboys country and, um, San Antonio Spurs country so but one thing that I am relentless with is letting the whole entire world know that I'm a huge Chicago Bears fan and I get dragged through the mud every single year but but there's actually a lot of Bears fans in Texas um I I can tell you that much a ton of Bears fans a ton well, yeah, I mean, I've, I know uh, I got a, a few buddies in, in, in the Houston area. I think I got a few in Dallas as well. So it's uh, definitely spread out. Um, the fan base is everywhere. They are absolutely everywhere. And it's, it's kind of like, uh, like you can find Cubs fans anywhere. You can go to you know, mm-hmm. Florida, Texas, you know, out, out west and all that kind of stuff. They're, they're not just traveling to these games. The Cubs are coming to them because they live in Los Angeles and, and things like that. The Chicago has a, a handprint that's all over the country. Yeah, and we actually roll really deep. When we go we to do. Cowboys games, we, like I say we, like we're like a family. Uh, when we go to Cowboys games, um, there's a, there's way, like the Bears fan ratio to the Cowboys fan ratio is pretty even, mm-hmm. which is a, saying a lot because Cowboys are, quote unquote, America's favorite team. Right. So the fact that we can kind of even out that, that field of fandom, to me, just shows that we are, you know, we are a a force to be reckoned with when it comes to our fan base. And then also, um, last year when we went to the playoffs, everybody traveled to a place called Buford's in Austin. There had to have been at least 500, I would say maybe even more Bears fans in that sports bar cheering for our favorite team. It looked just like Bears country. I have to send you a video, but it looked like you were in Chicago. There was like hardly any, there was nothing that would indicate that you were in Texas. Um, and then we're also trying to bring that um, that watch party down to San Antonio as well. There's a couple of Bears fans here. We're trying to do keep that same large fan base in the San Antonio area. So we are really repping our team really well down here. And one of the things that makes me proud is that I am an on-air personality. I am a sports writer. And I am based in Texas, but I am I rep really hard for my favorite team. So mm. I, I always let everybody know what time it is when it comes to my team. Nice. Nice. So what is a typical day like for you at uh, AM 760? Okay, so a typical day for me, well, I do on-air fill-in. So what they do is they call me in whenever they need me. But a typical day for me um, is writing articles i am always doing podcasts i call myself the podcast prostitute um not because i sleep with everybody i do podcasts with but because i am always anxious to be on another podcast i i love talking about sports and i'm also um i'm also the only female in san antonio that does um, sports radio so one of my goals this year is to have my own show and we're working on that right now. I hope I'm hoping to have my own show within the next few months. 
and I'm really excited. I think um, it would be great for me to have a show, and so that's something that I'm really working on, and I hope that dream comes into fruition really soon. So I have a lot of people who are rooting for me in that um, at the radio station, and it just you have to basically pay your dues there, and then once you do that, then you get obviously your own show. Yeah, of course. Would would it be like a like started as a weekly thing, or would you want to go five days a week right off the bat? I would want to go weekly, mm-hmm. um, just to see how. Actually, I I could do five days. I mean, I love doing this stuff, right. but I honestly think that weekly would be a good start for me and um then go from there so that's that's kind of the direction i want to go um i do want to be i i i think my ultimate goal would be to be on the nfl network or something of that nature where you give your opinion and people respect it yeah absolutely that sounds great i i have some friends at the nfl network so uh let me know and i'll uh Get them in touch with you. See what we can do for you. Tell them to get in touch with me. That's <laughs> my real. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm always here for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what do you think of this uh, of this team that we have on our hands uh, this year? I mean, I started thinking or started saying last year, before the 2018 season even started, even after the Khalil Mack trade and everything, I, I thought that we would be good. I didn't know that we would be special the way that we were last year, but this was the team. 2019 was the one that I wanted to see because it was year two in Nagy's system, year two with Mitch and all of those guys that we signed prior to 2018, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. For, for it all to come together, I thought 2019 was the year, and it really is shaping up to be that way. Mm-hmm. So what I think about this year is I, I kind of have to backtrack to last year, if you don't mind. Um, so what I think last year before the first game of the season, I had bet on our team to be first in the division. I gambled and I won my money eight times over because I believed in my team before anybody else believed in them. Well, not anybody else, but you know what I mean? Sure. Before Vegas did, I believed in my team. I had a feeling that we were going to be great. What surprised me the most about last year was that we weren't even projected to be the the winner of the division we were projected to be last so to see the Khalil Mack trade and for everything to come um for them to go 12-4 was outstanding yeah and now I feel like the narrative last year was the Bears are going to be in the basement um uh organization is garbage and all these things now the narrative has now shifted now that we've proved all the naysayers wrong and we went 12-4 now the narrative is, you know, we double doinked and then we traded for Vic Fangio for Chuck Pagano and now we are we're going to regress as a team. Right. Just the way that the Jacksonville Jaguars did. They always reference the Jacksonville Jaguars and how they had their outstanding season and how they're gonna regress. Me personally, I do not think that the Bears will regress. I feel like if anything, I agree with you. This is the year that the Chicago Bears are going to do phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I think that we have outstanding players on our team. We have Akeem Hicks. We have Eddie Jackson. I think Mitch Trubisky is going to do great. A lot of people doubt him. I personally don't. He was a second-year quarterback. or he Yeah, he was two-year quarterback at North Carolina, and then he came 
on to the Chicago Bears um, with Maggie as a, a, a first-year coach. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he's doing is he's learning Nagy's system now. I think he's going to adjust to it, and he's going to be doing a lot better. It looks like he's getting more comfortable with the team, and the team respects him as their leader. Right. I also think one of the things that the offense is going to improve on this year is I feel like Tariq Cohen is going to be big this year, and I also think that David Montgomery is going to help out um, as well. I think one of the things with the offense is I think the offense is going to in- is not going to see a decline. I think it's going to see an incline. So any type of defensive regress that people are predicting might happen, I think is going to be made up with their offense. I don't think our offense is going to be bad this year. I think it's actually going to be much better. I think that the uh, defense as well is going to be spectacular still. The With Pagano's system, they're going to be running more blitz packages. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's going to be a lot more riskier than Vic Fangio was. And one of the things that impresses me, and like I've said before, with the Chicago Bears, if you're, I feel like if you're going to take risk as a coach and you have an untalented team, then yes, that may be a problem. But if you're taking risk with all the talent that you have on your defense, like the Chicago Bears do, I think they're going to do just fine. So I think our defense is actually going to be I don't think it's going to regress. I think it's going to be better. I think a lot of people are, again, doubting us as a team, and we're still going to do great. And if all else fails, I think we're still going to win the division, and we're not going to be out in the first round like we were last year. So even if we don't have a spectacular record like 12-4, and let's say we go 11-5 or maybe even 10-6, I feel like we'll still win the division, and we still already have the – experience the playoff experience that we didn't have last year and we're going to utilize that playoff experience to our advantage this year and we are going to actually go further in the playoffs that's just my opinion well i'm on board with all of that and i i I'm, i believe you're absolutely right i mean and the funny thing when people talk about regression on defense because we lost vic fangio uh, number one, I think they're they're not giving Pagano enough credit for what he did when he was a defensive coordinator in in Baltimore, and and also just the fact I think they're also kind of taking something away from the deep from the talent we do have uh, on on defense. Like I don't think it matters honestly who the defensive coordinator is, whether it was Chuck Pagano or, or um, uh, Todd Bowles who took the job with Tampa Bay on, under Bruce Arians and and things like that with the with the horses that we have on defense all you need to do is turn them loose and they'll make plays just like they did last year i mean i love vic fangio and everything that he did i wish he was still here but ryan pace did an amazing job putting this team together and those guys are ready to roll the only thing that i can that i think can hurt the defense is injuries that was the one thing we were really able to avoid last year was injuries hopefully we can do that again if we do the bears are going to be fine on defense are we going to be number one again who knows? Probably not, but we'll still be one of the best defenses in the league. And then on offense, I think David Montgomery is going to be huge for us as well. I think having that running game is going to open things up in the passing game, and and Mitch is going to be a beast uh, this year. So, I mean, I, the criticism on Mitch is fair because he was inconsistent last year, but when he needed to step up, he stepped up every single time. So I have faith in Mitch and what he can do 
uh, this year and everything that everybody's saying about him and OTAs and, and all that kind of stuff is, is all the stuff that you want to hear. Like he is not making the same mistakes. He is 10 times better than he was last year as far as his command of the offense and, and all that kind of stuff. That's why I was looking forward to this year because I knew that would probably be the case. Yes, and and I agree with you when it comes to that. I think that the only thing that would stop the Chicago Bears this year is injuries because we have a ton of talent on the defense. And I want to point something out um, with the de- uh, the offense as well that I think is really um, important. I think Tariq Cohen is going to be double teamed a lot, and with that, that not. I don't think we'll have an issue with that like we did last year because David Montgomery averaged a thousand yards for two each year in Iowa when he was playing for them. I think when Tariq Cohen is going to be double teamed, David Montgomery will come in and he will pick up where the slack is left off on that perspective. And I think Mitch Trubisky was inconsistent last year. And you're right. It was fair. You know, it's fair to say that, but, Like I have said before, the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when he threw six touchdown passes to five different receivers, mm-hmm. to me, that showed me because I, too, had my I had my concerns with him as a quarterback. And when I saw that game, to me, it just let me know this guy does have what it takes yeah. to perform when he needs to. Even though it was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it still showed me he wasn't a crappy quarterback. He still has a lot of talent, and I think that he does a fen- he will do a phenomenal job. And of course, like I've said before, he's he you know is trying to get used to Coach Nagy's system, and I think he's going to do just fine. If they're getting used to each other, and the thing that is the most important is that Coach Nagy believes in him. Yeah, and. Mitch Trubisky shows a lot of leadership. Everyone respects him, and everyone respects each other in the team as a whole. They have a really good morale and club dub, and that's not something that I have been used to seeing. I haven't been used to seeing a great morale since I've become emotionally obsessed with the Chicago Bears. (laughs) To me, that's something that I see now, and that's really important. So that's why I think this year – is going to be a really great year. The only thing that's stopping the Chicago Bears from winning the NFC North is going to be injuries. And even if we do regress, like everyone is saying, we're still not going to be as bad as the other teams in the division are. And I'm sorry to say that, but it's the truth. Yeah. No, I I definitely agree. And and the thing about Nagy and and the culture that he brought uh, to the Bears, I think that was the X factor that no one was really counting on last year I don't think anyone was counting on the team responding to him the way that they did last year because even after we made the Khalil Mack trade because of what we didn't know about the offense it's like we we added Khalil Mack to that defense that was top 10 in 2017 without him and I was like okay so I think we're looking at maybe you know eight and eight nine and seven even after the Khalil Mack trade and then it was Oh, yeah, Matt Nagy is a mastermind as far as getting his players to bond and to buy into the system, and these guys would run through a brick wall for him, and that's where those extra three wins came from. That's where, you know, the thing about last season that made it so amazing and that also made the loss to Philly so heartbreaking was that it wasn't even so much that we lost the game that sucked. It was that I was not done watching that team play yet. I wasn't finished with them yet. You know, I wanted to watch them keep playing, wanted to watch them keep fighting. 
the way that they did. And every single game that we lost last year, we went down to the wire fighting to the death to try to win it. And it wasn't like that under Fox or Tressman. And sometimes even with under under Lovey, we would die a slow, painful death in those games, especially under <laughs> Tressman. Yeah. Back-to-back losses to the Patriots and the Packers, and they put 50 on us in each of those mm-hmm. those games. And it, the thing about all those the losses that we had last season was that what made them sting was that you know if the Bears played that team again, they wouldn't lose. They would win. They would make the adjustments to win the game if we got to play them again. That game against the Patriots, the game against the Giants that we lost. God, help me with the Giants game. And, <laughs> you know, obviously the Philly game, if we get a second bite at the Iapo with, with Philly a week after that, we don't lose to Philly the second time. So, I mean, it's just – the team was entertaining to watch. They were always in every game, win, lose, or draw, and that's what made them so fun to watch, and that's why I can't wait to see what they're going to do uh, this year. I just feel like it's it's they're ready to go. They're ready to go. They're talking like they're ready to go. The expectation is amongst the players that that's where they expect to go, not like last year when they were just happy to be there, happy to win 12 games, happy to be in the playoffs. Isn't this great? Nobody thought we were going to be here, and here we are. Now everyone expects you to be there, no matter what the naysayers say. Everyone expects the Bears to be good. Everyone, even those who say they're not going to be good, still thinks the Bears should make the playoffs this year or that they have the talent to do it and will be surprised if they don't. So I, I think that it's that the Bears are ready to roll, and, and I can't wait to get started. we got training camp starting this week, and it's the beginning of it all, and I am jacked. Yeah, me too. And what makes – like, at the end of the day, like I've said before, what makes me upset is that everybody has something to say about our team. But we weren't even predicted to make it to the playoffs last year, so right. I don't even care. Like, I'm happy because they didn't expect us to be in the playoffs for three to four years. And we're already doing great. And one of the things that a lot of people don't think about is experience matters. There's a lot more cohesiveness on this team this year than there was last year, and that is extremely important. I yeah. think we're going to be fine, and our our biggest challenge, the Chicago Bears, or Eddie Jackson in particular, said our biggest challenge is we want to be better than the 85 Bears. They're not competing against everybody else. They're competing against the, the top-caliber Bears team. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a really good goal to have. I'm excited for this year. Yeah, I mean, and these guys are all in. I mean, you 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 look back at um, you know what what Ryan Pace, what Matt Nagy have been saying in throughout the off season is that throughout voluntary workouts when these guys don't have to show up, you got a hundred percent attendance. Everybody is showing up. Everybody is participating. Even in the workouts, they don't have to be there. They are there anyway. They're putting in the work. They're waiting for September fifth. They're counting the seconds, the nanoseconds until kickoff against Green Bay. On September the fifth, this team is ready to get at it. So, I, I I don't see how they how they how they fail this year. I don't see how they don't succeed. It's it's uh, it's going to be a historic year. Never mind the fact that it's the one hundredth season and everything. That's coincidence. This team is ready to rule yeah. regardless. So, it's um have you have you heard about the the numerology that's surrounding twenty nineteen and how it seems to be destined in the stars that we're supposed to win it this year. I heard this for every single team, but I have not heard the Bears one yet. Which one is it? <laughs> well, number one, like I just mentioned, it's the 100th season of Bears football. Okay. So there's that. Number two, huh. it's been 34 years since we won a Super Bowl. 34, Walter Payton. So there's that. The okay. number, number three, the game Super Bowl is being played 
on George Papa Bear Hallis's birthday. Oh, yeah. yeah, I did hear about that. Yeah, and the yeah. game is also being played in Miami where we last played in the Super Bowl. So we're going to go back there and right the wrong and win the Super Bowl on the 100th season on Papa Bear's birthday 34 um, years from the last time we did we it. We have no choice but to win. Like, we have no choice. Like, yeah. this has to happen. So like, it's, we it's, have to. Like, I will cry again. Yeah. Oh, I'll ball my eyes out. See, see, the thing that I do on the show is during the season – when I do my review episodes, when I'm watching the game, I have a little mini recorder and a microphone. I do these little segments called knee-jerk reactions. So I take about a two-minute recap of what happened. First quarter knee-jerk reaction, Bears, Packers, blah, 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 blah. Talk about what happened, what I hope happens, blah, blah, blah. If we win the Super Bowl, the knee-jerk reaction to the fourth quarter of our Super Bowl victory will be, <laughs> you know, that will be me for three minutes solid, just blubbering into the microphone because I just watched the Bears win a Super Bowl for the first time in, in 34 years. So, yeah, that's what that will sound like, God forbid, when, when we pull it off and uh, against whoever in the Super Bowl this year. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited, and I hope once again, we prove everybody wrong. I mean, yeah. we're the talk of the town, and that's not our fault. We worked really hard to get there. So, <laughs> right. Um, speaking of which, I was, uh, you know, when I, you know, obviously we follow each other on Twitter and and everything. I noticed you uh, hashtag Honey Bear a lot with your with your tweets. What's what's with the Honey Bear thing? Yes, I'm a Honey Bear. So um, they call me Honey Bear. I am in a group called uh, the NFC North Trash Talk Division, and there's about thirty five thousand people in there, and um, I'm known as Honey Bear, but. The honey bear movement is actually something that any so if any girls are listening right now, um, the honey bear movement is for any girl bears fan. You have to be a, a boss chick. Um, you have to be smart when it comes to the Chicago Bears. You have to love your team, and you have to be just embody the you have to embody the honey bear culture, which is positive, intelligent, beautiful, driven. That's that's the honey bear culture. And the reason why we call it the honey bears is, of course, um, because of the Chicago, 1985 Chicago Honey Bears cheerleaders. Right. And we call ourselves the honey bears. And I was convinced back in the day that there's the curse of the honey bears. Yeah. And sure. I had started a petition on change.org uh, to bring back the honey bears. There was only 19 signatures, but I was a I was a small, small fry back in the day. I only had uh-huh. 19 signatures for to bring back the honey bears. But I feel like there was a curse because uh, Virginia McCaskey had gotten rid of the honey bears during after that season. So mm-hmm. I felt like there was a definite curse because of that. Um, but there's not a curse anymore because we actually brought it back in a different way. We're bringing back the honey bear movement. We want all the women bears fans to solidify and come together and work together um, just to show our support for the team. Nice. Very nice. And you're right. There is a uh, kind of like the curse of the billy goat for the Cubs. There has been kind of that legend of the, the curse of the honey bears because 85 was the last season that the honey bears were in existence. And that's of course the last time the bears uh, won a Super Bowl. So yeah, that, uh, that, that was legit for a while. I mean, we still haven't won a Super Bowl, but we've been back uh since then so maybe that's kind of when that one died out a little bit but uh 
That yeah. curse of the honey bear I thing mean, was for real. That was for real. But the thing is, we feel like we can reverse it if we reincarnate it in a different way. <laughs> so we bring it back uh, with the hashtags on the Internet. Any woman that is driven, beautiful, confident, and is a Bears fan can be a honey bear. So it's not just me. It's any woman that's listening right now. So to me, that's a huge thing. Uh, nice. Women coming together to show love for their team. So when I was uh, surfing your your Twitter, or actually it was Instagram, actually. I'm not a big Instagram guy. I barely go on there. But I was looking at your Instagram today, and I saw you in a wrestling ring. What the hell was going on there? <laughs> so um, so <laughs> um, I got to interview um, Hall of Fame wrestlers, um, top promoters like uh, Floyd Mayweather's uh, promoters. So I'm pretty well known in the um, local wrestling and boxing community here in town. Okay. Um, San Antonio has San Antonio has uh, world talented boxers and uh, world talented wrestlers. You've seen them on Showtime. You've seen them on pay per view. You've seen them on your screen, and a lot of them are from San Antonio. And that's a little known. That's a little known fact. So. One of the uh, owners of the local wrestling matches had asked me to come in the ring to be their guest uh, general manager. So I was in the ring and I uh, hosted the show. It was like the best time ever. And I was able to get in the ring with the rest, one of the wrestlers and I actually did my first wrestling move. So that was pretty interesting and I had a really good time. <laughs> what did you do? So I kicked him. With okay. my heel. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I kicked him with my heel because uh, he kept flirting with me. He kept trying to tell me that um, that uh, he was going to uh, take me out on a date. I kept rejecting his advances. He got on the mic, and he was being really disrespectful. So um, the owner gave me permission to kick him <laughs> in the ring in front of everyone with my heel and backflipped and he ended up losing the match to his opponent because of my kick so i was really excited nice. that i got to help him lose that day <laughs> well, that'll show him yeah that'll show him <laughs> but we had a good time i love wrestling i love boxing i just like anything else sports in general but um i really have a special place in my heart for the local talent because i feel like anybody you know that's local can be the next huge thing so that's really cool yeah, a friend of mine works at the Performance Center in Orlando for WWE. He's been out there for, for several years now, at least five or six. But uh, mm-hmm. he's the one that works closely with NXT and, and those guys that are trying to, to make it to the main roster on Raw and SmackDown and things like that. He's the one helping them put their uh, personas together so they can get to the big show. Let so. me tell you, from what I've all the interviews I've done, all of the uh, behind-the-scenes things that I've done in regards to wrestling and boxing. One thing that I've noticed is that they put their whole entire lives into it. Yeah. Um, so, and, and it's really, these people, they've told me time and time again, they come from nothing. They come from humble beginnings and this is their dream. And to see them work hard behind the scenes, constantly training, constantly trying to build their image to me, it's just uh, beautiful when you get to see them sh- 
show what they're really made of inside the room. And just to put on a show for the fans for an hour, they put their heart and soul and they dedicate themselves, kind of like football. Yeah. Um, it's, or it is like football. It's, 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 it's a sport. you got to put your whole life into it if you really love it. So I really like stuff like that. Makes yeah, me happy on the inside. With those guys, it's, it's almost like a disease with them that they can't shake. You know, like they're they're in it no matter what. They're, this is this is their life and what they want to do, and they can't see themselves doing anything else for better or for worse. That's what they that's what they do. I mean, that's what ended up happening with my buddy. He's the biggest wrestling fan that I've ever known, and I used to be a huge fan, especially during the 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 Attitude Era in the late '90s and early 2000s and stuff. And he mm-hmm. was a fan before then. He was wrestling out, and when he was in school in Colorado, he went out to Los Angeles. He was working on you know wrestling organizations out there. And then he finally got a shot with WWE, and that's where he ended up in Orlando at the Performance Center and stuff. This has been his life's work, and he made it to the biggest uh, yeah. platform that the industry has. So, that all, And all those guys are like that. Not everyone can make it to the WWE, but those guys still put the work in uh, regardless. And the, every show for them is Madison Square Garden or WrestleMania or whatever, and they go out and they perform that way every time. Yeah, I, I, that's how I feel about it too. I'm, I'm so amazed every time they make it. I'm like, you deserve it. The hard work that they put into it just makes, just makes me so happy on the inside. Right. <laughs> so what else are you getting yourself into out there in San Antonio? Okay, so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create a bird movie down here that's huge. So right. I know that sounds, it sounds impossible. But it isn't, okay? Because, like I said, in Austin, they had about 500 to 1,000 people out there, and we want to bring it to San Antonio. We want to do huge watch parties. Um, We're going to go on the air and promote the event um, because we want all the Bears fans to come in San Antonio. And there are people in Texas that might listen to you, and they see this, and they want to get involved. So that's that's my personal message. after that, it's, of course, getting my own show. I'm still doing my writing. Uh, my writing pieces are pretty in-depth. I want to get into huge in-depth uh, writing pieces when it comes to the Chicago Bills. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that I want to focus on. I really want to um, expand, you know, just you know what I really love because I notice, like, when you invite me on, I get extremely happy. Like, this right. is, like, it melts my heart. It's different than doing a normal podcast with or a going on air and talking about the bears i mean talking about the cowboys is, is fun mm-hmm. but it doesn't light my fire sure sure <laughs> yeah no i get it so yeah so like i like talking about the cowboys don't get me wrong i i mean i think they're great right now i mean not as great as us but i think they're great <laughs> but but uh, what lights my fire is talking about my team so that's why i want to get more in depth when it comes to the chicago bears i want to build my uh name and put myself out there so people know that when it comes to talking about the Chicago Bears, there is a girl out there in Texas who really knows what she's talking about, and she's ready to go, and she knows how to hold her own down here in Texas. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's yeah. awesome. Well, you know what? It's, it's, it's amazing uh, what you're doing down there, and it's, uh, it's been fun having you uh, on there. Just a couple more things before I let you go. They, uh, the NFL <laughs> – Day, okay, you let's do, do that then. Do. <laughs> the NFL Network uh, started their annual top 100 players in the NFL thing, and I've never really been a fan of the show because for many years no Bears really ever made the list. So, but uh-huh. um, their their debut episode was last night, 
and we only yep. had one guy in the top in the from 100 to 90 we had Kyle Fuller came in at number 95 um and yeah. I was just wondering who you think I mean aside from the obvious Khalil Mack he'll probably be somewhere in the top 10 or at least he better be anyway but uh-huh. who else do you see making that list Okay, well, I think they would be doing a disservice if they did not put Prince Amukamara in the top 100. Hmm. I think he deserves to be there. He got a pick six uh, last year, and he actually um, did a really good job uh, with coverage last year, so I think he deserves a spot as well. I also think Akeem, did they say they didn't do Akeem Hicks, did they? Not, not yet. yet. They only no, did they the first. Not they yet. only did the first ten. So they did, they nine, did the first ten. One hundred to ninety-one. They said they were going to put. They said they were go to commercial, and they were like, "When we come back, we're going to announce number ninety-five. And I thought they were going to announce Akeem Hicks, but they announced Kyle Fuller. Right. I think Akeem Hicks should make the list. Yep. Uh, I think obviously Khalil Mack. We already mm-hmm. said that. I think that Tyree Cohen should make the list as well. Mm-hmm. All the pro bowlers who made it should make the list of hands down. Yeah. Yeah, no, if they I'm don't on... put the pro bowlers on the list, then they're tripping. <laughs> and I think, yeah, they're tripping if they don't put all the pro bowlers on the list. And I also think it would be nice for them to put Roquan Smith on the list. I think he's yep. extremely slept on. Uh, so I would like to see him on the list as well. So I think all the pro bowlers for sure. And okay. I would like to see Kristen Mukamara on there and uh, Roquan Smith. So, I mean, I would love for them to put the whole team on the list, but sure. I they can't. Let's put all 53 <laughs> of them in there. The hell with it. Put all 53. Yeah, except for, except for Parky. Except right. For Parky, oh, dear God. So, yeah. <laughs> well, except for Parky and Adrian Amos because he traded and went to the Green Bay Packers, and that's not good. So. Yeah, yeah. and you know what? I, I don't even get me started on that because I can go into that if you want to. What bothers me about that, or can I go into it? If go ahead, to? girl. Uh, Okay, so this whole aging Amos thing, I mean, everybody always talks, everybody's like giving us black about how he, uh, we lost somebody really good, XYZ, or whatever, but he really didn't fit our system, and I think Ha Ha Clean 6 could fit our, it fits our system a little bit better when it comes to um, that position. So I think that we did it pretty even trade. I don't think we downgraded. Mm-hmm. And I also find it really funny how Packers fans were trying to tell us that Adrian Amos was trash, even though we picked him up in a late-round uh, draft pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm going to give Ryan Pace phenomenal credit for being able to pick talented players in late-round draft picks. That's another story for another day. Yeah. I think that he... Um, I think uh, that just because we lost him doesn't mean that we are doing ourselves a disservice. Even though he's on the pup list right now, I still think he's going to be okay. Yeah, I don't think that's anything to panic about. The The pup list is, you know, he suffered a knee injury at the end of the offseason program, but he didn't tear an ACL or, or anything like that. And if we learned anything from Nagy and the way he handles the team in the preseason, he's going to baby them before we get to the regular season. I mean, I'm going to make a confession I thought Aaron Lynch was the biggest mistake we ever made during the preseason last year. Okay. I didn't even call mm-hmm. him by his, I called him out of his name for the entire preseason last year because he, he had a, uh, like, a, I think it was a hamstring or something at the end of OTA or in OTAs, didn't participate in the OTAs to nurse that injury. 
barely I don't think he played at all in the preseason or anything like that because of some kind of I think it was a shoulder whatever it was I called him Sandy Mm -hmm. Vagina is what I called him he got sand in his vagina so he's not playing uh in the preseason I was really irritated with Aaron Lynch and now you know hindsight being 2020 and going back I regret it all because Nagy was just (laughs) saving him for the regular season and keeping him healthy we don't want to put you out there and re-aggravate it uh and everything and that's what he's doing with uh with haha Clinton Dix he's you know, he tweaked his knee or did whatever he did. It's not a serious injury, but we're going to baby him on his way so he's ready week one against Green Bay because mm-hmm. that's the priority, not week three against the Colts in the dress rehearsal game. No one cares uh, about that game, yeah. especially Matt Nagy. So he wants the guys ready to go week one, Thursday night football against the the Packers. And starting on the pup list, it gets people nervous because if you're on the pup list when the season starts, you miss the first six games. But what a lot of people don't know is that when you're on the pup list in preseason, in the preseason or in training camp, you can come off the list at any time, literally at any moment. Mm-hmm. Ryan Pace can activate him, and he'll be active on, on the roster and anything. So it's not anything that we need to be panicking about uh, or anything and like I think that. That's what, and I think, and I was thinking that's the card he's going to pull. He's going to make him active again um, yeah. for the season start. So I don't think he's going to be missing out on those games. That would be terrible if he did that then that would just prove that uh, the trade wasn't a win-win like they had said it was yeah so i but... think he's definitely gonna be ready for the season opener um i think he's gonna I, i'm excited to actually see how they both performed that day that's something i'm actually looking really forward to well that's definitely going to be one of the storylines going into that game and um mm-hmm. you know the other thing is the packers made a huge investment to get adrian amos Four years, $36 million, so much guaranteed money. The Bears signed Clinton Dix to a one-year, $3.5 million deal. So if it doesn't work out, we're only stuck with him for one season, and we'll move on to somebody else. So, I mean, it's it's a risk versus reward thing, and it's much heavier on the risk side with Green Bay than it is with the Bears. Even if Clinton Dix doesn't work out, we've only got him, we're only stuck with him for one season, then we can – uh, move on to somebody else. The Packers have guaranteed money invested in Adrian Amos. So if he sucks this year, they're stuck with him for at least another year or two before they can move on from him. So it's it's uh, the Bears won this with this swap, if you will, on on all sides, in my opinion. I do. I agree too because this um, he Clint Dix didn't really have the greatest season in 2018. Right. But what this allows him to do to have a one year deal is allows him to rebuild his value on the free agent market um, and he can perform his butt off this year and he could potentially re-sign with the Chicago Bears for a longer deal or he can move on to the next team or the Bears can pick up somebody else so I think like it, like I said I or like you said the Bears did win on this trade um, they have an opportunity to either have somebody who's really hungry to sign on with best team in the NFC North with a ton ton of talent or they can let him go and get somebody else who fits the system better. Yeah, because it's usually amazing how how, uh, how much a guy plays or how well a guy plays when he doesn't know where his next paycheck is is coming from so you know you have that (laughs) you have the one-year prove-it deal you have this culture that he really wanted to be a part of he has openly said I took less money from the Bears to play in Chicago because I wanted to be a part of this he's in the same backfield with his college teammate Eddie Jackson they were at Alabama together so you have all of that 
you know, mix it up in a pot, and I think we're going to get a pretty good stew out of this. So I think we're going to be just fine with Clinton Dix, even though Packer fans are absolutely falling over themselves to show us, oh, this is where Clinton Dix screwed up here. He took a bad angle there, bad coverage here, missed the tackle there, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, that was in Green Bay. He's not in Green Bay anymore. He's a bear now playing with much better talent around him. You guys act like you had the number one defense in the NFL in spite of Clinton Dix or anything like that. You didn't. So everyone in Green Bay needs to calm down. He wasn't the only one hurting your defense. So we're going to be fine. I think Clinton Dix is going to be fine, and we're going to prove that on September the 5th. Facts, and I'm going to tell all the Packers fans right now that they're going to be pulling the muscle with all that reaching that they're doing, trying to prove that Clint Dix is a bad trade. So they need to fall back and just let us handle it. September 5th, we're going to let them know what time it is. Yeah, when uh, I remember once uh, it was, I think it was actually when uh, in 2013 when the Bears beat Green Bay on Monday night, that that game where they they hurt Aaron Rodgers and, and broke his collarbone. I remember uh, uh-huh. tweeting out that. Uh, all of the excuses being thrown around by my Packer coworkers are making for an unsafe work environment because they just had one excuse after another about where that thing went wrong, why the Bears shouldn't have won that game. If, if Rodgers had played the whole game, we'd be fine. And blah. I was like, dude, Jake Cutler didn't play in that game. We played with our backup quarterback, too, and we kicked your ass. So what, what now? You know, like, come on, you guys had the advantage going in and we took your boy out and then we won the game. So it's like that. That's how it happens. So like Mm -hmm. whatever. But it was like one excuse after no credit whatsoever. Just being tossed around. It's terrible. Oh, they love their excuses. Let me tell you, (laughs) I can own up to our mistakes. Do you (laughs) do you run into many Packer fans down there? Uh, yeah, I actually do. One of my best friends, she's a Packers fan, but she's <gasps> not my best friend oh. during the season. Uh-huh. I we see. actually made it a point to not communicate with each other um, <laughs> because, no, I'm serious. Like, I'm not even joking. We will not uh, communicate to each other during the games because it will just honestly ruin the actual friendship. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, so uh, there's. And I w- I've always said I would never date a Packers fan. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would never date a Packers fan. Like, Packers fans have tried to date me. Well, first of all, yeah, Packers fans have tried to date me. I've shut them down time <laughs> and time again. And could you imagine falling in love with somebody and then they come try to move into your house with Packers gear? Are oh, you serious? No way, dude. Heck no. No way. No, never. My- so I already shut it down from the beginning. You're not if you're a diehard Tiger fan. There's absolutely no way if you are attracted to me. There's no way we could ever date. I would fall on the floor if somebody tried to walk in the door with a green and yellow banner. Yeah, that that just wouldn't fly with me. So I. But it, as far as like running into Packers fans here, yeah, they're here. Um, they're around. Uh, trying living in La La Land and and living in Grand Delusion. Right. You know they used to come out the woodwork over here whenever oh, our season me. was terrible. We were yeah. bad. They love to rub it in our face. But now that you know we're doing great, I don't know what happened to them. I think some, we need to do a missing persons report. There you go. Because something happens to them and they got they're gone. Like I don't know what happened to them. So I got to find out where they're at. Well, you know that <laughs> was the thing now. when when um, in 2010. <laughs> When they beat us and went to the Super Bowl, 
that year. I used to work at a, in a call center for AT&T at the time. And all of a sudden, we had a lot more Packer fans in the, in the, in the center than we had before the Super Bowl. And, you know, the, the reason that I personally would never date a Packers fan is because Packer fans suck. They suck because, <laughs> because like you said, they love to rub it in. They, they, you know, they're, they're terrible winners. And they're obviously, as I mentioned before, they're horrible losers as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, they don't – it's like, dude, you actually have a better team. You were supposed to win. So what are you bragging about? What are you bragging about? And even if the Bears had won – I expected them to win, so that's what I thought was going to happen. I'm not going to rub it in your face because we won. We were supposed to win, so we did, and it just, you know, like they have no decorum when it comes to that kind of thing, and it makes me crazy, and that's why I hate Packer fans above all else. Yeah, they have excuses, a whole list of excuses, and I I have been through i know you have probably too yeah we've been through the ringer we've been through the bad years we went through the trustman years went through the john fox years year after year after year i have been shouting my team from the rooftop how much i love them even though everybody clowns me and roasts me all these years but now that it's our time i have every right to rub it in your face just like y'all rubbed it in our face. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing, and I can't find everybody now. Right. I let everybody rub it in my face, and now everybody's gone, and I can't find them. So I'm just wondering where everybody's at. I'm going to do a missing persons report. Um, Packers fans, wherever you guys are at, I'm going to put an Amber Alert out for y'all. I don't know where you guys are. Nice. I know that you guys make excuses for last year, even though y'all were projected to be first in the division, but you ended up going 6-9-1. and one. And the Vikings were better than you guys. I don't know why you guys are being delusional and thinking that you're going to be uh, beating us this year, but this is not going to happen. <laughs> I am fully on board with that statement. My At name is Vikings fans are Vikings fans are realistic. Yes, at the minimum. Yeah, they're realistic, and they have the they have the one of the argue, arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, Aaron Rodgers, and you guys can only go six nine and one, even though there was injuries and they make excuses about that. That's the best you could do with him. Uh, get out of here! I ain't got yeah. time for that. And they think that <laughs> just because he's he's healthy, even though he's been hurt two years in a row, and he's getting older uh, every year, they think that this new coach or the fact that it's not Mike McCarthy is the magic wand that's going to repair a couple of things. And what's worse about it is that the other people, quote-unquote experts, are convinced of that as well. That's why they have the Bears finishing below the Packers in in their projections and things like that, just because Aaron Rodgers is healthy, the Mike McCarthy thing is over, so that won't be a distraction anymore. So the the Packers are full steam ahead, and they're, they're ready to roll. I just don't see it. I really don't. And it's not my Chicago Bear bias or anything like that. This is my completely objective looking at the team. I don't see what everybody else sees when it comes to uh, Green Bay. I just don't see them being that team uh, this year. I, I just don't. So I, I don't understand where it is that it's coming from and that it's a more of a consensus than anything that it's going to happen that Green Bay is going to finish ahead of Chicago this year. I just don't see it. Or even ahead of the Vikings. And yeah. That's the thing that I tried to – I mean, we got a, a crop before we walk, guys. Do you think you can beat the Vikings first? Okay, next. Right. So, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Damn those Packer fans. And uh, you know what? They're... It. I know everybody everybody might be listening right now thinking that we're just acting crazy. 
But we deserve this moment. We've been working really hard for this. We deserve this. Yes. You know, and you know what the problem yeah. with Packer fans is? They're spoiled. That's what the problem yeah, is. Packer are. fans are spoiled. They are. So, they, so they act like spoiled little children when things don't go their way because they're <laughs> used to getting their way. They had, you know, 15 years or whatever with Favre before he moved on. And now it's been, you know, another 10, 12 years with, with Rodgers. So we're talking about a quarter century, if not more, having one of the best, if not the best quarterback leading their football team. And the team has been prospering. Uh, because of it and now their quarterback is getting old they don't have an heir apparent coming up behind him or anything like that the teams in the other teams in the division are getting better and catching up and or passing them in the division and they don't know how to handle it because for the last 20 plus years everything has gone green bay's way so they're they are reacting like a petulant little bratty child who isn't getting its way right now and lashing out at everyone else because they're not getting what they want Exactly, and they don't see that their organization's on the decline. And but whatever. And you know, we as Bears fans, we've been the ramen noodle soup of the NFC North for quite some time. We've eaten our chicken ramen for a long time. <laughs> we now have our filet mignon, baked potato, and asparagus in front of us. So nice. excuse us for being extremely happy. For yeah. This so okay? I mean, <laughs> my favorite moment of of all of last season was when we showed our dominance and we showed that Khalil Mack was so dominant that he could sack Aaron Rodgers with his booty. So, I mean, that's that's how awesome <laughs> Khalil Mack is. He could run into you backwards and sack you with his butt cheeks. That's how awesome Khalil Mack is, and that's what's coming, that's what's coming for Aaron Rodgers on September 5th. His booty sack part number two, that's what's coming Aaron Rodgers' way on Thursday, September 5th. I can't wait to see it. Me either. <laughs> Carolina, thanks so much uh, for coming on the show. Uh, tell us where we can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at Carolina Teague underscore. I cater to my Bears fans. I also cater to the local fans over here. So definitely talk about the Bulls from time to time, which is my team. But I'm mostly talking about the Spurs, Cowboys, Bears. Actually, I talk about anything popping in sports. So if you like a good sports following, you like women then you can definitely follow me if you uh, want to follow me on instagram i'm at carolina teague underscore and um sports as told by a girl.com you can check out my articles and keep up with me whenever you want to carolina teague thanks so much for coming on we'll talk to you again real soon thank you larry Remember, guys, promo code ACAA for $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek and the promo code BEARS100 for a 50% deposit bonus at MyBookie. That was fun. That was fun. I had a good time uh, talking to her. Like I said, door is always open for her to come back, so we'll probably see her uh, at some point again uh, during the season and uh, get her thoughts and things on how the year is going. And, uh, you know, it's... uh, Everybody's excited about this team, guys. Everybody. And now that the now that the team has taken the field and they are practicing and getting ready and and and, and working their way towards week one uh, with the Green Bay Packers. I mean, the next episode that drops will be inside of a month from 
Thursday night football against Green Bay. When the next episode drops on August the 6th, we'll be less than 30 days away from Bears-Packers on Thursday night football to kick off the 100th season of Bears football and the 100th season of the NFL. It just doesn't get much better than that. And before we have to wait for that game on Thursday, on August the 6th, when the next one drops, we're only two days away from the preseason opener against the Carolina Panthers. And like I said, that might not be very much fun as far as the people on the field, but this is a year I'm actually pretty interested in the preseason because we know who the starters are going to be and a year removed from Nagy's first preseason where the starters barely saw the field uh last year and and considering this is year two on the offensive side we might see the starters even less I mean (laughs) I would dare to say we'd probably barely even see them dress uh in these football games uh this preseason but we know who our starters are because we brought just about everybody back this year we, we we brought everybody on the offensive line back we brought all of our receivers back and even added uh, a couple of t- a couple to them um you know we, with a new running backfield we'll probably see a healthy dose of david montgomery getting him up to speed but for the most part i expect a lot of tyler bray a lot of chase daniel and, and a lot of second teamers to be uh playing this year and that's what's going to be interesting because they're going to fill in the blanks for the back half of this 53-man roster and and answer these really interesting questions that we have about how this roster is going to be constructed because we have, strangely enough, one of the deepest wide receiver rooms in football right now. Who are we going to keep? You know, Allen Robinson, he's a lock. Anthony Miller, lock. Taylor Gabriel, lock. Javon Wims so far has been a beast in OTAs, mini camps, and so far in training camp as well. Riley Riley's a draft pick, and he was performing his ass off in OTAs, or so I hear from the from the beat writers and such. We also have Emmanuel Hall, an undrafted rookie free agent that we signed from Missouri, who's got a big ceiling. We uh, we signed Marvin Hall, a uh, kick returner slash speedy wide receiver from the Atlanta Falcons, and there are probably even a few guys in there that I'm forgetting. Oh, well, well like Tanner Gentry, who's a uh, preseason Hall of Famer. You know what I'm saying? He's uh, This is the guy that tears it up. This is his time of year. And right now, he's probably like seven or eight on the depth chart. It's like, how many of these guys are we going to keep? How many tight ends are we going to keep? Is the Adam Shaheen situation going to influence that uh, at all? On the defensive side, how many pass rushers are we going to keep? We've been hearing good things about Matu Betts. Uh, you know, obviously we have Khalil Mack, Aaron, Aaron Lynch, um, Leonard Floyd, and and such. Does Isaiah Irving come back? Does Kylie Fitz uh, make it back on the team? So on and and so forth. Who are our inside linebackers going to be? Are the four guys that we had last year? Are we set there? Trevathan and Roquan starting. Uh, Iggy and uh, Nick Witkowski, uh behind them. Is that the, the, the tandem that we're going with uh, there? Do we even keep a fullback this year? Maybe that's where we're going to earn that extra roster spot this year. Michael Burton is with the Saints now. When we don't, I don't think we have a true blue fullback. Maybe that's what Bradley Soule is going to be. He's going to be that lead blocker slash tight end guy. That's why he's wearing 85 this year instead of 79. He's going to be more of a fullback instead of a tight end for us this year, an H-back, uh, if you will. So, I'm really interested to see, and I think the preseason is where we're going to answer a lot of those questions where we get to see those guys out on the field. Well, Ryan Nall, who was a, a, a hell of a player for the Bears 
uh, in the preseason last year. The running back out of Oregon, Oregon or Oregon State, one of the two, had a really good preseason uh, last year, was on the practice squad all of last season. You know, will he be able to earn a spot in the room? And who's, who is that going to cost? I mean, is it going to be a, a very, very interesting cutdown day after the Bears play the Titans to close out the uh, the preseason? More, or Labor Day weekend is going to be very, very interesting uh, to see because then maybe there's somebody that the other teams cut, the Bears claim, and then they got to get rid of somebody else that they wanted to keep in, at the beginning. So very, very interested to see how this all unfolds. I will be watching the preseason, hopefully a bit more intently than I did last year. I was just getting bored with the fact that I didn't know who most of these guys were. I'm going to pay attention this year because it's uh, it's going to be important to know who the back half of our roster uh, is going to be, who uh, who of the, the 90 is going to fill in like those last seven or eight spots, you know, because it's a 53-man roster. And I would say that we're set at about 40 or 40 – Somewhere in the 40s, I would think, 42, 43, somewhere in there. So we're looking to fill 10 spots with about 50 guys and wanting to see who those spots are, are going to be uh, earned by and, uh, and things like that. I'm very, very interested to see how that all goes. So anyway, that is going to do it for off-season episode number 12 with Miss Carolina Teague. I uh, had a lovely time with her. Hope to have her back soon. Come back next Tuesday, August the 6th. Brett Coleman from the Film Room on YouTube uh, will be uh, breaking down some of those videos that he made, the process that he goes through to make them, what he thinks of our beloved Chicago Bears, and we even kind of dip into the Texans just a little bit. We had a lot of fun talking. I really, really enjoyed that conversation with Brett. So come back on Tuesday to uh, talk to for the Film Room with Brett Coleman. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. 